Hello, and welcome to the Extended Family Podcast, presented by Xavier University's Parent and Family Engagement Team. I'm Abby Hopperton, the Director of Parent and Family Engagement, and I'll be your host. Each episode, we will introduce you to resources around campus, and we'll provide relevant information for you to support your student. Welcome back to our Extended Family Podcast. I'm your host, Abby Hopperton, and I have Dustin Lewis from our Office of Student Involvement with me today. Welcome, Dustin. Hi. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So you and your team work in the Office of Student Involvement. We do. Can you share with us and our families more about what your office does and how their students can engage in your office? Sure. Yeah, our full name actually helps explain a little bit more of it. Um, We merged a few years ago, and our office now is Office of Student Involvement, Gallagher Student Center, and Commuter Services. And so we're located in the student center in Gallagher. um, And our work really stretches across the board with helping students to connect, build community, get engaged. Um, We actually use a moniker that we think helps sort of explain our mission and what we're all about. We say that we're here to help students discover, develop, and lead. We want them to help discover their passions and develop their strengths and lead a purposeful life. And we see that being kind of our mission of what we do. Um, but to break it down, because I think that would be helpful for yeah, our listeners and our families. Yeah. Services. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Dustin Lewis. Um, I use he, him pronouns, and I'm the senior associate director here in student involvement. I've worked at Xavier for uh, 14 years now. And in our office, we have a team of folks who I said work with engagement. Um, our senior director, who is also has a hybrid title, senior director for student affairs and then director of the office is um, Dr. Leah Bosom-Klanowski, and she's worked at Xavier a little bit longer than I have, and um, Leah helps to um, provide a lot of strategic direction with what we do in our work, but also provides a lot of high-level support to student affairs, which is the division that we're located in. Um, Then in my role, I work with all of our student organizations and help provide support Um, to the 150 plus clubs we have on campus and student organizations um, overseeing their finances and also overseeing um, their event registration and doing a lot of coaching work and a lot of training and and preparation for them so that again the students can sort of develop those leadership skills and figure out how to be a leader of other students um, and how to lead their organizations well. Um, I also work with a lot of events and um, do other duties as assigned. <laughs> sure, so I fill like in everybody. a bunch of uh, a bunch of pieces like being invited onto podcasts, yeah, things like that. Yeah, not, yeah, right? this is my everyday, right? <laughs> um, but then uh, in our office, we have the assistant director for um, leadership and activities, which is um, Deb Akeke. And Deb's been at Xavier for five years now. Yeah. Um, her work specifically is supporting our leadership programs and campus activities. So Student Activities Council, SAC, is one of our student organizations that helps provide a lot of events and activities for the university. Um, They host about 70 events a year, and they typically see about 13 to 15,000 students in and out of their events. Um, And they run the gamut. They run 
um, some smaller programs, stuff where they might bring in like a coffee house and have an acoustic singer and give away free food. Um, doing Food Truck Fridays has been a big hit this year. They host some late night alternative events, mm -hmm. um, knowing that not every student goes out and that some students are looking for things to do on campus on the nights and on the weekends. So a lot of their programming is anchored in Gallagher Student Center or when it's warmer outside on the yard because we know um, students love spending time outside. Yeah. Um, so really just a lot of different kinds of events. And then Deb's other hat is working with leadership programs. We have a couple signature programs that our office manages. Um, specifically, Deb works with the Emerging Leaders Retreat, mm -hmm. which is something we offer for first and second year students uh, toward the end of January, where they can go on this really um, developmental intensive retreat, uh, really focused at understanding who am I and what qualities and what skills do I offer to the world around me as a leader. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really, really transformational. Um, and we see a lot of students that go through that program successfully find strong leadership roles around campus uh, soon after. Okay. Um, so it's a really neat program for someone who says, I want to lead, but I want to understand more about who I am. Um, then Sophie Stewart is our assistant director for orientation and transition programs. Mm -hmm. um, Sophie is a Xavier alum that yeah. we actually, all of us, <laughs> had the privilege of working with when she was an undergrad. She graduated several years ago, went on to get her master's, went on to work for a few years, and then we were able to uh, poach Sophie from our friends at Mount St. Joe <laughs> up the road and attract her with an open role to work with orientation. Sophie runs the Manresa Orientation Program for our campus, and yeah. she also does orientation for transfer, um, just new students coming in outside of your traditional first year, first semester students. Mm -hmm. So she runs both of the programs and there's also a spring program for transfer students as well. Um, and Sophie works to try to align some of our first year experiences together to help support um, where we are providing different levels of program and education and sort of help um, bring students in and teach them about Xavier culture um, and what sort of legacy they hope to leave on a campus while understanding some of the traditions that already exist. Um, the, the other part of Sophie's role is she also works with students on their way out. So she has students on their way in and students on their way out. Oh, cool. um, the orientation programs is on the front side, but the transition programs is specifically working with seniors. So Sophie runs a leadership program called Arupe Leaders, mm -hmm. which is a select group of students from across campus who've had a vast variety of different leadership experiences. And this is about vocational discernment. The program um, spends a lot of time named after Father Pedro Arupe, um, and it really, really focuses on um, who am I to the world and what does the world need from me and how do I fit that need as part of vocational discernment. Um, so really, really neat. And then Sophie also helps support um, some of the uh, programs that we now call Commencement Week, yeah. which mostly are just a few different events that lead up to commencement exercises for seniors. Um, then we currently have a vacancy in our office, so we're in the process of hiring now. By the time you hear this podcast, hopefully we'll have someone, <laughs> but it's for a new assistant director role that would oversee the Gallagher Student Center and then also provide support to our commuter students, um, which I would pause and say the Gallagher Student Center 
um, is a really active and vibrant location on campus that gets tens of thousands of visitors every year. Um, A lot of folks that are hearing this podcast probably have been into Gallagher Student Center, if not on tours, to grab coffee when they brought students to campus, so numerous times. Um, It becomes the hub of a lot of our student life for Xavier. But GSC uh, employs about 40 to 45 students, including an array of building managers and people that do setups and um, are inside rooms and spaces, putting the tables together and putting chairs up and just making sure that the room is ready for whatever the needs are. Yeah. Um, so this person would oversee that operation. And then, of course, help support all the tenants in the building. So all sorts of things from hey, what's that smell to why is it hot? Why is it cold? You know, this isn't working. I think I hear water running, whatever it could be. So that person gets a call for every single situation and works with our physical plant team. The dual part of their role is supporting commuter students, Mm -hmm. um, knowing that about 10 to 11% of our first year population each year comes to campus and are truly commuting, um, which we really define as students who primarily are living at home and are driving to and transporting themselves to campus from most likely a home environment um, rather than just students who would say oh yeah i'm commuting but they live two blocks away and they (laughs) live in a house with a bunch of other students we call those off-campus off-campus students or off-campus residents but yeah so the commuting students uh travel in and uh, they have a whole lot of different types of needs. There's some different identities that are commonplace for students who might commute. Um, And there's also a whole variety of reasons why a student might choose to commute from home. So commuter services helps to know that student population and address some of their needs and make sure too that on a campus that um, has a significant population of students that are residential, they're always thinking about hey, 10 to 11% of our students travel to campus and have very different needs when it comes to how they interact with Xavier. And so we have to make sure that we're able to support them too. And then the final cast member of the office is Jill Finch, who is our student involvement coordinator. Um, Jill works with me a lot with our student organizations and then also helps to coordinate family weekend. Um, And Jill... Uh, has been on maternity leave, but we'll be back. And again, by the time this podcast <laughs> airs, um, Jill probably will have like a six-month-old at yeah, that point. Yeah. yeah, but we welcome her back, and we're excited to have our full team um, very, very soon. Yeah, I bet. I'm tired just listening to all the things you guys do, <laughs> you all do in your office. Wow. So it, it sounds like, you know, you all serve a very diverse population, and you specifically were mentioning all the clubs and organizations you oversee. Talk to us about the different clubs and organizations because, you know, students are, I would hear as a success coach, and I know it is 100% not true, mm-hmm. there's nothing to do. Yeah. But Dustin, there's so many things to do. Tell families what there is to do it, and what clubs and organizations they can get involved in. You know, there's a truth there that if you do sit in your room and you don't try to find anything yes. to do, then yeah, the answer probably is I sat in my room today because I didn't think that there was anything to do. Yeah. Um, but we have 150 student organizations and we have a very active and vibrant student life. Yeah. Um, about 30 of those organizations are club sports and mm-hmm. they represent hundreds of students who participate in competitive sports, who travel often on the weekends. Yeah. Um, we see a lot of really great successes with a bunch of our teams. And again, 
um, being able to offer single gender sports, being able to offer co-ed sports. There's ways in which, again, we're engrossing, you know, hundreds of students who might play. I think their roster last year was somewhere between six and 700 students. So a pretty hefty portion of our campus who participate and actively play with our club sports program. Um, Then the other 120 student organizations that we work with um, really cover a vast array. Many of them uh, represent different identities we have on campus. So for example, our LGBTQ plus alliance or our Black Student Association, OLA, which stands for Hispanic Organization for Latinx Awareness. We have a lot of organizations that represent service and social justice needs. Um, So groups exist, for example, like Alternative Breaks, which sends dozens of students each year um, into different locations around the country to be able to participate in service over fall break and over spring break. Um, We have organizations like Muskies for Life, um, which is our pro-life students for life organization anchored on our campus. Mm-hmm. Um, we have different groups uh, like Distance for Dreams, which is a group of students who um, typically have experience with long distance running, or if they don't, they oh, wow. will. Wow. Distance for Dreams raises money and participates each year in January in the Walt Disney Marathon in Orlando. Oh, cool. And so we'll send a couple dozen students who... Uh, we'll run a half marathon, a full marathon, and then some of them run what's called the Goofy, which is both the half and full marathon while Definitely they're there. Definitely sounds goofy to me. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't think I could do that. We, we try to offer a lot of different things, and we have several, probably three dozen, maybe more clubs that are connected to academic majors. Okay. So, for example, Williams College of Business uh, boasts a lot of different clubs to help support our business yeah. students. But then we also have some general business organizations like Delta Sigma Pi, um, which is a professional business fraternity. So any student studying business can apply and become a member of. Um, We also have groups called um, like STEM, uh, which supports all of our science, technology, engineering, and mathematics majors. Um, And there's multiple clubs that are STEM, including groups like minorities and STEM. Um, We have physics club, mathematics club, Um, There's Biological Life Sciences Club. I mean, we have a lot of different things. Um, One of the things that I think are really fun and interesting is that our student organizations really are student-driven. So sometimes, you know, people will come forward and say, hey, do you have this? Do you have that? And a lot of times our response might be, you know, if we don't have it, why don't you start it? Like as a student, you have the opportunity to start a new organization. Even right now, there's a brand new club that's forming that's Pickleball Club, which is no surprise. So fun. Because yeah. everybody loves pickleball <laughs> everybody this year. Pickleball. And we have a new group, Minorities in Business, that's in the process oh, of cool. getting started. Yeah. Um, we have Photography Club, which you would think that we would have had at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's so interesting. But not having a major for the program, we've had students that are interested in photography, we've had students that are interested in art. Um, so it's just an, a, an area of concentration where right now we're probably seeing more musketeers that are interested in that. Um, I think there's a couple other clubs in the docket that are in the process of formating, uh, of forming right now. Yeah. And so we're just seeing, you know, uh, 150 go up to about 155 or 157 this wow. year. Yeah. So if I have a student or if I am a student who is interested in starting a club, what does that process look like? Um, we, uh, we start the club process each fall. And uh, at the beginning of the fall, students can begin exploring what exists out there. Um, it begins for a lot of students with the road to Xavier yeah. and how they start to explore and engage. And I know we'll talk about Engage XU in a yes. few minutes, I'm sure. Yes. But 
Um, Engage XU is our platform for student organizations, and it's also a platform for events across campus. So it's a way for students to find what's happening and to explore the world around them here at Xavier. Mm -hmm. But uh, students who can browse and explore and join different things, they might look around and say, hey, I have this really specific interest or there's something that I'm not sure exists. And so they can, of course, explore and ask questions, but we also have a whole process laid out on how do you start your own group. Um, and that's something that at the beginning of the fall semester, students can express interest, they can find some friends, they can find an advisor, um, and our office can help work and support with them to make that happen. Yeah. Um, but they then will work with us, and through the Student Government Association, they will seek to get recognized um, and to also get some funding and resources to help support what they're doing. That's awesome. Sounds like a pretty easy process, but... Yeah, it's a lengthy process. Yeah. And it's lengthy... Uh, it's, it's intended to be lengthy. We yeah. want students to do the work to lay the foundations and to say this organization is intended to last for years yes. and not intended to just kind of pop up and meet an immediate need. And remind me, I feel like a year or two ago, you all did kind of a revamp. You went mm -hmm. through clubs to see which ones were pretty mm -hmm. active, which ones are not. Is that something that occurs every year? Is that something you just recently did talk through that no so we have with student organizations there is a program we run called baseline mm -hmm. that sets some expectations for the clubs and it says in order for you to be recognized here and to maintain your recognition status we're going to set some minimum expectations of like how often you meet how many programs you might host in a semester we're not going to tell you what programs to host mm -hmm. We're going to define for you and say, this is what we would consider to be a program and this is what we would say is not. So like your club having a meeting, there are some meeting requirements to say you can meet as often as you want, but the bare minimum is that you meet about once a month. Okay. Um, some of our organizations meet weekly. Some of our organizations meet every other week. But the bare minimum is that they're meeting at least once a month because we want them to be active. Yeah. Um, we also have a threshold for groups to have uh, three programs per semester. And again, that could be social. That could be um, fundraising, philanthropy. It could be service. There's a lot of different ways they can fit that. But a meeting does not count. We want them to be hosting activities, to be engaging students, and to be contributing to campus life. So like you said, um, about a year, year and a half ago, sort of in a post-COVID reaction, during COVID it was really hard to hold student organizations to that yeah. level of accountability because there was just so much uncertainty. And in a world where we were telling them, be careful, mask up, yeah. don't put too many people in a room. We probably never would have reported the, recorded this podcast three years ago no. like this. <laughs> we would have been like <laughs> on Zoom and in separate spaces. Yeah. Um, but we, uh, we were really lax and light. And we said, you know, like we're not going to hold people to this firm standard because it's too complex of a world right now. Yeah. But as we came out of COVID, we said, okay, folks, like, it's time to wake up and it's time to get these organizations active and thriving again because now it's safer, there's more people that are vaccinated, um, there's a hunger and an interest for the campus to have more activity. Um, so, you know, let's shake it up and let's make sure that we're going to follow these expectations. And the outcome of that is that there probably were about 15 to 20 student organizations who just said, you know what, at some point we met a need on campus. At this point, we're not meeting that need anymore. And we said, great, no problem, no harm, no foul, but we're gonna take the resources we were giving to you or that typically had been earmarked for you 
and we're going to invest further in our organizations that are more active. Um, knowing that there's always an opportunity somewhere down the road that a student comes forward and says, hey, I've got an idea, and we say, hey, there's a blueprint for what that has looked like in the past. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. Yeah, yeah. So when you say we have 155 active mm-hmm. clubs and organization, when my student goes to join a club or organization, I can be rested assured that, like, these folks are planning things, there's stuff going they are. on. Yeah. They are actively engaging with their members. Yeah. And there's a huge difference between nothing is happening and and saying I'm blissfully unaware of what's happening. <laughs> yes. um, and I know that the reaction from students is, Ugh, mom, like there's nothing happening on campus. And meanwhile, the mom's like, what's that in the background? I don't know. There's an inflatable with a movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Um, or but a big concert going exactly. On, on yeah. I, I can't yeah. hear you over this concert. And we're like, <laughs> okay. Um, But I think, uh, you know, there's an app, Campus Groups, that powers what we call EngageXU. Um, Anyone can download it. You know, parents and families are welcome to download Campus Groups and take a look. Um, But also, you know, students use it on campus. We check them into a lot of events. It's a way that we track attendance and we sort of see how engagement's going. Um, You know, just like we would swipe them into the rec center to verify that they're a student. Mm -hmm. We certainly swipe people into our different events or we have them uh, tap their one pass um, so that that way we can track and see who's engaging where. And we can also verify that the people that we're supporting are students and that it's not just, uh, you know, folks wandering in that are like, oh, I saw there's a food truck, you know. (laughs) Yes, yes. And it probably helps you determine, like, which clubs are, Mm -hmm. you know, most active and things are doing. Yeah, and there's some expectations for the student organizations um, that they're entering their events and their meetings and whatnot into EngageXU. Uh, So, again, we can create this kind of vibrant master calendar of what's happening on campus. Mm -hmm. Um, And even if I look at EngageXU right now, I think today there were, like, 20 to some events listed in there just for today, a variety of different things. Yes, I agree. Every time I go into EngageXU, I'm like overwhelmed with the amount of things Mm -hmm. that there are. So Yeah, and when I go browse it, I have to put filters on because I'm trying to find something quickly, (laughs) and I'm like, there's too much, there's too much. Yeah, yeah. And to your point, if families want to get on there and explore, please, by all means, do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So talk to us, Dustin. Everyone, I feel like, likes to talk about fit. Mm -hmm. Everyone likes to, like, you know generalized fit but really talk about what it means for you your team and how you know you work to try to help students find a space and a place at Xavier sure well one of the pieces that I often do when I facilitate sessions about getting involved um, and I talk to like first-year students during Manresa or we present um, to RAs and to other populations just to help encourage this is I say like not everyone has to join. Like, it's okay. Like, I'm a joiner, and I naturally joined things when I went to college. Mm -hmm. Um, But I realize not every student is a joiner. And so we can't expect that every single person is going to find happiness being a part of a club, joining a roster, getting emails regularly. And so fit has to be something that's more complex than that. Mm -hmm. It has to be the way in which a person sees themselves as welcome and a part of a community and the way in which they recognize Xavier for me feels like something more than just the place where I might live and I might uh, eat and the place where I might go to class. 
although probably not in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's important that we we start with that like kind of base understanding that the way in which someone might engage or the way in which someone might be determined as like fitting in mm-hmm. really has to do with the way they see themselves as a part of the community. Yeah. Um, I know that there are some first year students out there who are absolutely happy musketeers. They love being here. They love the independence of college. They're mildly enjoying their classes, <laughs> but the way in which they might engage in community looks so different than others. They yes. might say, hey, like the thing I love to do when I get finished with class and hopefully finished with homework is I throw my headphones on and I want to game with my friends. They're not necessarily popping up in different spaces. They're not necessarily like joining clubs or attending events. Although I do want to just put a little uh, note here that we do have an eSports gaming. I was going to say, I thought we did, yes. It's one of our club sports, so it is competitive and it is very fun. But... Um, not every student sees himself like on a roster. Yeah. And so you have to look beyond just the quick and immediate kind of superficial number of saying like, you know, oh, well, like how many events have you been to this mm-hmm. semester? Or like, you know, how many clubs have you joined? Because that's not the, the greatest indicator of fit and the greatest indicator of happiness. We have yeah. other students who on the flip side try to join everything and they get too committed and too involved Um, And basically their classes start to suffer. Um, Parents start saying, I can't ever get a hold of my student. (laughs) You know, I hope they're having a great time. And sometimes we have to pull them in and have conversations to be like, hey, remember, you have to be a student first. (laughs) Because if you're not a student and you're not in good standing here, you can't be active in all these other things. Mm -hmm. Um, We use a rule of three to help students kind of interpret um, what works for me. And it's not just about joining clubs, but we say when you look at the rule of three, the first rule is um, do something that is already familiar and comfortable to you. Do something you did in high school. So if you loved gaming, like keep gaming. We've got pretty decent Wi-Fi and Internet here. (laughs) Like hop on game, do something that feels comfortable and familiar. If you um, loved dancing, take a dance class, join the dance Mm -hmm. team, you know, participate in some of our um, exercise groups and fitness groups in the hub like. You know, whatever it is, like if there's something you enjoyed doing, try to keep doing it. If you liked running, if you liked, um, you know, we have a group for paws that works with training service dogs. Like, so if you're like, I miss my dog, like there's ways in which you can be a sitter. um, You can help take care of and be a keeper with one of the pets. Um, So, again, we try to offer a lot of different solutions because we want people to find something that feels familiar, that they feel like they already have some level of, like, connection and mastery. Two, um, in the rule of three, is we want students to find something that connects to their academics. Um, And that could be doing a research project with a professor. It could be actively engaging in a group project, which Mm -hmm. is very different than being assigned a group project. When you actively engage and you are saying like, okay, like this means something to me, I really want to invest in this assignment or this work or whatever it might be. Um, There's a lot of ways we have um, different trips and things that can kind of animate the academic experience from study abroad to again, those alternative breaks. Even things like shorter term, we have like an expeditions program where students can go out and explore the world and can really animate some of the pieces that they're learning in the classroom beyond just Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, do something that's connected to what you're studying because it's going to make 
the academic part of being a student, which is the core. It's yeah, going to make it more fun and it's going to make it more memorable. And you're going to associate different kinds of uh, connectedness to the things you're learning beyond just what you see in a textbook, mm-hmm. um, which now I think would be ebook anyway. Yeah, exactly. And then the third thing we tell students is try something new. This is your chance. Like yes, for a lot of our yeah. students, they come in and they're 18, they're 17 sometimes, yeah. 19. I mean, those are traditional age students, not everyone, but many. They come to campus and for a lot of students, this is really the first time that they're an adult-ish, you know? They're, yeah. they're exploring the world. You're like safely an adult. You are pretty well legally able to vote, and I hope everyone gets registered and votes by the time they hear this. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is that moment where... You're an adult, so you're figuring out who am I, and I'm making decisions, and like I don't have people that are necessarily saying, "Let me drive you here and there," mm-hmm. or you know, "I made food for you. Here's what you're eating today," or you know, there's there's opportunities for you to make choices and for you to like set your own alarm and wake yourself up. Yeah, so different cool. things yeah. that yeah, adulting's hard, but <laughs> no, right. um, there's just different ways in which uh, people navigate the world. So we say try new things because yeah. here's your chance. Yeah. This is where you're in an environment um, that's fairly safe, that's fairly protected, where you can sort of experiment and figure out who am I and what are the things that I like to do? Do I Did I not know that I feel more comfortable talking in front of a group than I ever realized? Or maybe it's like, um, I have always been curious to try this uh, sport and or to start working out and I just wasn't sure how, you know, or I didn't know there weren't people around me that were showing me or I felt embarrassed to try this thing. Mm-hmm. Here's your opportunity. Try something new. You're in college. So that's yeah. the rule of three. Do something that you feel really comfortable and familiar with. Do something connected to your academics and try something brand new. Yeah. And now's the time to do all of those things. Yeah. Like, never too early to start. And for your first year, first semester, don't do more than three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Figure out academics first. Yeah. Figure out how to study. And how meet to with your success your coach. Exactly, yes, success coach. Okay, great. Yeah, I think that's a good way to, you know, creating your own space at Xavier and finding where you fit more yeah. than, you know, identifying just clubs and organizations you like. So you talked about a couple different um, leadership opportunities that several of your – your team members, you know, coordinate. Can you talk through some of those opportunities for families so they can understand what those look like? Because, you know, nowadays people are very concerned with resumes and things. Sure. You know, putting things like leadership opportunities on a resume looks really good, but there's also a ton of other benefits to joining things like that. But I think talking through what those are could be really helpful. Well, I think anything you explore in the world of leadership, we have a couple programs that are called leadership programs. And I mentioned like the Emerging Leaders Retreat is for first and second year students. That was the retreat I explained happens at the end of January. It's for any student. They don't have to be connected with a club. They don't have to be involved in any way. It really is exploratory to say, I'm curious. Mm -hmm. I want to know more about this leader thing. Mm -hmm. I want to know what I am and how I might have the stuff to be a leader. So the Emerging Leaders Retreat, we take about 80, 90 students away from campus. They do some really, really fun peer-led exercises and activities um, to sort of harness and understand more about who they are in the world of Xavier and in the context of being a student here. Mm -hmm. And then how can they take that skill back with them and invest back into 
um, their peers, their own experience, etc. So that's like a traditional leadership program. But there are a lot of other ways that students can kind of explore and understand more about who they are in relation to their peers and in relation to leading others. Um, one example I like to point out to students when I explain this to them, um, and parents, if you're listening, I will give this caveat, so let me be very clear before any of you email me. Um, I explain, at the end of the day, you're a student first, you need to get a great education, you need to get great grades, try to go for honors if you can get there. Um, but once you finish the program and you graduate from Xavier, the degree represents what you've learned and earned. When you go out into the world and you start interviewing for those next steps, whether it's that internship or whether it's moving on to career or whether it's going into service or going into um, a graduate program or an advanced degree, the questions people are gonna ask you in those next steps are not gonna be, hey, what happens when you mix an acid with a base? <laughs> or, hey, here's this uh, formula, can you solve this for me? You know, yeah. the degree itself is gonna speak to, did you master whatever this education and learning is? Mm -hmm. And what they're gonna be asking you are things like, what experience do you have delegating responsibilities or managing your time? And they're gonna say, what experience do you have working with people that are different than yourself or navigating difference in the world? Yeah. And those are the types of soft skills that people develop really naturally and inherently through involvement and engagement. And that is where we say, again, the discover, develop, lead, people can develop their strengths and develop those skills because they then can understand how do I fit into the world and how do I work with other people? How do I manage conflict? What are those examples I can offer in those interview settings? Because they're not going to hold up a, a, trigonometry, <laughs> a trigonometry equation and say, solve this to get this job. Yeah. They're going to say, great, you've got the degree. You must know math. So tell me about your people skills, about the way you communicate with other people, yeah. and how do you navigate and handle conflict. Those are the types of things we try to coach into the leadership that our office represents and the ways in which we, um, we help students to kind of harness that personal power to understand more again about who am I in relation to the world around me. Yeah, yeah. So what are some of those very specific leadership opportunities and how mm -hmm. would a student apply for those? Sure. So there's pieces like Student Government Association can be a really helpful tool for students to feel like they have a voice yeah. and to represent their peers. Um, there are uh, applications throughout the year for people to get involved with student government in a variety of ways. One of the ways is running to be a senator to represent your, uh, your class and your student body. Mm -hmm. um, another might be university committees and that is university level committees that the provost and the president um, create or bring into being mm -hmm. and we help make sure that there's student representation on those committees so it's things like you know the parking committee you got a problem with parking well there is student representation to say have we thought about this or are students aware of that or here's where students feel like they're not getting information about something yeah. um, so those again are ways for you to be representative um, of other people serving in some of those high-level roles um, our office, like I said, also works with the Arupe leaders, which mm -hmm. is for senior students. Mm -hmm. um, throughout the way that a student might navigate through Xavier, there's a lot of different spaces for them to be involved in exercising those leadership skills, things like applying for student employment, being interned by our office, by another office, 
um, you know, working for Gallagher Student Center, where students can work their way up to be one of eight building managers, where we hand them master keys. And especially wow. we leave for the end of the day and we say, you are in charge of this building. So if wow. there's an emergency, we've trained you, you know what to do, you have all the resources, you're welcome to call us, but you can handle this. Yeah. Um, wow. And we, we coach students through that whole process. So again, there's a lot of different spaces for students to kind of navigate that leadership field. Okay. Um, applying to be a part of Student Activities Council is something our office offers. Um, we have commuter peer mentors, mm -hmm. which is a peer mentoring program specifically for first-year commuter students. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's just a variety of different opportunities. Most of these uh, come about in applications that are advertised across campus. Every student receives an email every Monday morning, normally about 10 a.m., called the SGA Weekly. Mm -hmm. Student government puts out this announcement bulletin that other students and organizations and offices all can contribute to. Um, it goes to every student, undergraduate and graduate, every single Monday, and it runs a whole list of here are things happening this week, here's stuff you can explore, here's some announcements for some different opportunities of things you can apply for. Um, we also have a program that will launch in November called the One App, um, which is a single application for students to apply for a variety of different leadership roles. Mm -hmm. um, one of those roles being my Manresa orientation team, and so every year we are looking for 300, 400 applicants. That way we've got a nice diverse pool and that way we can be selective of what students get the opportunity to work so closely with our first year students. We have 150 orientation team leaders and we're again looking for that pool of like 300 so that that way we really can find the best of the best to work yeah. with them. Um, but again, those are all different kinds of opportunities that students can apply for, can be a part of, um, and ways for them to sort of figure out how do I want to be a part of this whole community and how do I want to navigate my leadership in different ways. Yeah, that's great. Are there other things you think that would be helpful for families to know about your office or for families to know to support their student when they engage with your office? Anything else you can think of that would be helpful to share? Um, I think mostly parents helping to just reinforce to students uh, there's a lot happening mm -hmm. and you know parents can go in and see that themselves you can hop onto a desktop computer and search EngageXU you can browse and see what's happening on campus um, I think just ensuring your student has campus groups downloaded and that they yeah. are looking in EngageXU at calendars especially when they're saying I'm bored or I'm getting tired of eating the same thing we have tons and tons of free food at events <laughs> yes. every week all across campus um, our office frequently has all kinds of leftovers that student groups will bring in and say, hey, we had this leftover, we had that. Like today, mm -hmm. someone brought crumble cookies in, so oh, we put shoot. those out down at Gallagher. Um, you know, so there's lots and lots of different ways for students to kind of browse. But I think parents making sure that students are paying attention, that they are looking at some of those high-level communications. Like, I get it. Nobody wants to sit and read long emails. but. Yeah. Things like the SGA Weekly, it's not produced by staff and faculty. Mm -hmm. It's produced by students. So students are curating it and are saying, we're going to make this visual. We're going to make this brief. Here's some stuff you should know. So not opening it, that's you choosing to say, I don't want to know what's happening. Yeah. So you can't ignore actively <laughs> and then turn around and say there's nothing to do. Mm -hmm. You know, It's yeah. not that people aren't putting things right in front of you. 
There's dozens of flyers in all the residence halls. There, uh, in every hall, there are kiosks around campus near the commuter parking lots where we've got tons and tons of flyers up and digital signage. You know, there's tons of things being promoted in the Gallagher Student Center. Even when you walk in, there's banners around the entryway that tell you about things that are happening. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you want to be blissfully ignorant <laughs> and just avoid it all, then I guess you can. Yeah. But the truth yeah. is, there is a lot out there for people to do. So even if I'm blissfully unaware of my email, yeah, you do have signature weeks at the beginning of Absolutely. each semester that I think would be really helpful for families to know about. Sure. Welcome week and yeah. club day and those type of things. Yeah. So the first semester of the uh, in the fall, we the first week it's actually ten days. We do the week of welcome and like this year's week of welcome program had eighty four events that were wow. all free for first year students, and again ranging everything from. We showed Guardians of the Galaxy 3 on a big inflatable screen to laser tag in the middle of campus, uh, trip off campus to a Taylor Swift dance party. Oh, nice. um, we took students to explore one of the nearby parks at Eden Park. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a huge bingo game that had like 250 people outside playing bingo. Uh, there's the first soccer game. There's all kinds of stuff built into the calendar. Mm -hmm. But that happens every fall when we come back. Um, then there are different weeks and different months that might have themes that are being planned by different offices on campus. The other week that you were referencing is when we get back in the spring semester, yeah. we do the winter week of welcome. Mm -hmm. um, and ordinarily, that's a couple dozen, two or three dozen events scattered throughout evening and day uh, so that people can explore, get free food, learn more about what's happening on campus, be entertained, uh, and mostly just celebrate that we're back for the spring semester or to welcome our new transfer students that are arriving for the first time. Yeah. Are there other signature events you think you should highlight for families throughout the year? I think uh, Club Day is a big moment, mm -hmm. and that happens in the fall semester. So we had Club Day this year on August 30th, but there will be a spring, a winter Club Day. Um, it's spring semester, but we call it winter club day. Mm -hmm. um, that'll be happening uh, the first Wednesday when classes start back in January, which I don't have a calendar in front of me. I think it's like <laughs> January 13th, maybe. Yeah. But whatever that first Wednesday when classes start back, that's in the student center. We normally have about 60, 65 organizations for the spring club day. Okay. Um, the fall club day is outdoors, and it tends to draw more folks because we've got much nicer weather outside. And food yep. and things to yeah, get yeah. yeah, tons of different ways to, to get connected. Um, I think a couple other highlights for student events. Um, we do some larger uh, speaker series, we do some larger concerts, uh, but there will be Xavier Fest returning, which has been an annual oh, tradition yeah, for yeah. about 11 years. Mm -hmm. um, and Xavier Fest is the final Friday of the spring semester, where we have uh, normally a couple stages with all different kinds of music represented, and then a ton of food trucks and free food, and it's mostly just a big celebration for the end of the spring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's always a fun event. Yeah. Hopefully the weather holds out this year for you. I We've been pretty lucky. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Any other things you think we should talk through or share? I no, I think that I think that covers a, a lot, lot of it. Yeah. yeah it's a lot, lot of things yeah. too. <laughs> well, thank you, Dustin. It's been great to have you today. Sure, thank you. Um, and to thank you to all of you who have been listening with us today. If you have questions or requests for future episodes, you can send them to me at families at xavier.edu. Until next time, I'm Abby Hopperton, and this has been the Extended Family Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.